This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg bottom of page 381, Dr. Rebbe is trying to give advice how we're able to awaken this level of Eisan, this level, the hidden part of the heart, this higher level of Chachma, how we're able to arouse this and awaken this even today before Mashiach comes, even in the time of exile. And he says it's by awakening and arousing a sense of mercy and compassion, our neshama that it bothers us and it troubles us and there's a sense of restlessness. A sense of restlessness <coughs> that we can't make peace with the status quo and, and the tremendous rachmanus of, of the status quo, of our state of being, how surface and superficial it is. And that awakens this love and awakens and connects us somewhat to this level. But he says, in order to, to accomplish this, we need one essential ingredient. And that is, in order to awaken the Rachmanas, the compassion and our neshama, which were to awaken this level of love within us, to stir up this level of love within us, we have to demonstrate Rachmanas. We in kind have to be kind and compassionate to others who are less fortunate. We have to show Rachmanus by giving, by physically giving and helping a person in need, a person who is a Rachmanus. It's not just a question of kindness. Kindness is to everyone. Rachmanus is when there's a situation. When you see a person who is a Rachmanus, he's desperate and he's in need and he needs help and you step in because you awaken compassion and therefore you have Rachmanus you know the story with the uh, <laughs> this Rebetzin was very famous she was very kind and someone comes knocking on the doors and he says it's terrible you have to help you have to have mercy there's this family it's about to be evicted a poor mother a single a single mother with, with children and She's the only breadwinner and she can't make ends meet and she has many, many children and they're about to be thrown out in the streets and unless they pay their rent, immediately they owe $5,000, they're going to be thrown out into the street. And, she, and he's, he's begging for mercy and the rabbit asks him, tell me, who is, who is the landlord? And he starts crying. He says, the landlord is me. <laughs> he says, so the... If you have Rachmanus on someone else, then Hashem will have Rachmanus on us. This will awaken, stir up the Rachmanus on us, on our Neshama. So this can trigger, this can 
stir that deep part within us. So if we stir in our hearts with compassion for another person who's in need, Hashem will stir and wake us up and have Rachmanus on our situation and, if, and will allow us to, to taste, experience something of this level, even today. So the spiritual has to be accompanied by something physical, by action, an act of Rachmanus. Because we live in the world of action, and whatever we do here, you know, God is interactive. Whatever we do here awakens, awakens a, a response within Hashem. Hashem is our shadow, as David Amelov says. Whatever we do, as we smile, Hashem smiles. We have Rachmanus on others, Hashem has Rachmanus on us. We love others, Hashem loves us. Whatever we do, like a shadow, we're kind, Hashem is kind. Let's talk the positive, not the negative. But whatever we do, it's exactly what Hashem does. So if we demonstrate Rachmanus, physically, show compassion, and help a person in need, if it, our heart stirs and leads us to action, Hashem will respond in kind and have Rachmanus on us and awaken our neshama. It is known that an arousal from above is specifically dependent on an arousal from below, meaning that the abundant mercies from above are secured by an arousal of great mercies in the hearts of the compassionate and the kindly as Jews are characterized in the Gemara, so that they bestow physical gifts of gold and silver and the like. Thus, the effect of tzedakah is actually the effect of the mighty river, Nachal Eitan. So the arousal from below, expressed by the practice of tzedakah, draws forth the loving self-nullification of the vigorous essence, the Eitan, of the soul, so that it becomes revealed through the river of Vina within the innermost core of man's heart. The Alter Rebbe now goes on to write that one tzedakah should be given unstintingly, without regard for limitations. Just as a person in jeopardy spends without limit in order to save his life, so too should one hold one's own godly soul in high regard and give tzedakah boundlessly. So he interprets the verse. The whole essay is based on the verse from Amma, so tzedakah kenachal eson. That tzedakah, charity, will be like a mighty river. So he says, in order for the eson, for this level of chachm, which is compared to like a wellspring, which is very deep inside the ground. And for it to turn into a mighty roaring river, for it to be revealed on your consciousness and to be revealed in your heart, it's through tzedakah. When you, have to, you give tzedakah and you have mercy and you stir, your heart stirs and you have compassion on someone else and you act on that compassion, so this arouses and awakens a response from Hashem that this level of Eson will also come roaring out and will become conscious on a conscious level until it will reach not only your mind but also your heart, your innermost heart. Something will stir deep down in your heart. This is a very powerful, uh, very powerful advice that when you give tzedakah, it's not just something physical, but something will stir very deep down inside of you. There will be a response, a very deep down response. 
this, this unexpected revelation, stirring, soul-stirring experience, which is very difficult, like we learned the other week. It's very difficult for a person to achieve that level of consciousness because you have to remove yourself and you have to open yourself up and you have to allow your soul to speak on its own terms and it's new language and it's completely infinite, undefined, unexpected, it's a revelation, it's startling. It's, you can't control it, you can't, you can't own it, you have to just remove yourself and just allow it. And it's a very deeply satisfying, soul-stirring experience that comes suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere. So it's, you, you can understand that it takes a lot of spiritual work to be able to achieve this, or to be able to reach that level. But what's the connection to something physical? But he says here, that's what the verse is teaching us. By giving tzedakah, by physically giving tzedakah, physically helping a person in need, physically having rachmanis, and being compassionate, like the Jewish people are called, we're, we're, uh, we're chasadim, we're kind people, by shadim, we're, we're, we're bashful people, and, and we're given rachmanim, and we're compassionate people. So by actively being compassionate, this has the power to help us achieve this soul-stirring, transformational experience where the Asan turns into a Nacha, where this deep, down, deep level, such a deep level which will only be revealed in the future. Mashiach will come. And this deep down level will today turn into a roaring river, will be revealed, will emerge, will surface, will, turn, will come into a conscious level. We'll, we'll be able to capture into words something that's really beyond words. This stirring of the soul will come about through our act of tzedakah. It's an amazing thought. It's counterintuitive. You don't make the connection. I'm writing a check. I'm giving money. I'm helping a person in need, whatever it may be. It could be with a smile, with advice, with food, with clothing, whatever it may be. But I have Rachmanus, someone who, who needs Rachmanus. And by doing that, to that physical act, this will enable me and help me to achieve the deepest spiritual experience. Usually to achieve a deeper experience, you need meditation, close your eyes, lock yourself up in a room, forget about everything, forget about the world around you. And here the al is saying, go out. Go out in the street, help someone in need, have rachmanus, and you will see the immediate effect. You'll be able to achieve the soul-stirring experience because of your tzedakah. It's a novel concept. It's totally counterintuitive. It's a beautiful story with the Tzamat Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, that after his grandfather, the Alter Rebbe, who raised him, his mother, the Verleia, passed away young. She asked her father, she sacrificed her life to substitute the Alter Rebbe, gave the Alter Rebbe many, many years, decades of life, and all she asked is that Alter Rebbe should personally take care and raise Tzamot Tzedek. Alter Rebbe took him, took charge of his education, and he basically fathered him and educated him. And he became the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was the son-in-law of 
and the nephew of the second Lubavitcher Rebbe. So the Samach Tzedek, even after the Alter Rebbe passed away, very often he would get visitations from his grandfather. He had visions. He was able to see his grandfather, learn with him, ask questions. He had the whole learning. He had a whole bunch of questions. Alter Rebbe would clarify things for him. They had this communication. <laughs> you know, for them to speak to someone who passed away, they were alive to them. They were able to, however, they were able to communicate with each other. One time, it's already a long time, that Alter Rebbe, his grandfather, is not appearing to him. It was an unusually long time, it was un- and he had a whole bunch of questions that he needed clarification, and he took it very personally. It's as if his grandfather was rejecting him, like he's not showing up. And he couldn't, he couldn't understand. It felt terrible. One morning, he was on the way to Shul. It was the marketplace, and Lubavitch was the marketplace. The marketplace started very early. You know, in Russia in general, the day can start at 3 a.m. or... <laughs> You know, the marketplace is very early. And uh, on the way to the marketplace, uh, the butcher stopped at someone's head and said, listen, do me a favor, I need a loan. Because today is a marketplace and I, I need to buy some chickens, whatever you needed to buy. I need some money so I can lay it out, so I can buy it and then I'll sell and I'll pay you back. I need a, a loan, a gemilas chesed. Someone said, listen, I'm, I'm on the way to Davin. When I finish Davening, Come back to me and I'll take care of you. But I, I'm busy now. I'm... As soon as the Samuel Tzedek went to shul and he started preparing for davening, it was a long davening, he thought to himself, wait a minute. My preparation, I have to prepare for davening and then I'm going to daven. By this time, the butcher is going to lose the opportunity because all, everything that he wants to buy will already be bought. So my davening, till I'll finish davening. So he put down this Stalas ran to the marketplace, found this butcher, and gives him the money that he needs. As soon as he came back to Shul, he put on his talus, Talta Rebbe appeared to him with a huge smile. And he answered all his questions, and he had, he had one of the most unbelievable experiences and sessions he'd ever had with Alta Rebbe. So, by this act, of Avas Yisrael, by this act of tzedakah, by this act of compassion. A yid was in need. He needed help now. He was desperate. He needed a loan. This was a question for him of, of uh, he's going to feed his family, he's not going to feed his family. You know, this was, this was urgent for him. He needed it now. And uh, Samot Tzedek dropped everything. And running and taking care and helping this Jew in need. The effect was a spiritual effect. He had the most unbelievable, incredible spiritual experience. So that's what the Pasuk is telling us. We don't make that connection. We think that you want to be spiritual, it's all about meditation. If I meditate, if I concentrate. But with all the meditation in the world and all the concentration in the world, you're dealing here with something that's so deep and so subtle and so profound. You may come up with nothing. <laughs> you may try hard and nothing is happening. Nothing is stirring inside. There's no response. You're not triggering anything. Nothing real is happening. There's no movement. I'm trying for hours and hours and nothing is happening. 
But by this one physical act of tzedakah, this one physical act, literally writing a check, taking a penny, a dollar, physically helping a person who needs the help right now and helping him physically and literally and simply, this can trigger and this can jumpstart your spiritual journey and experience. Because Hashem will have Rahmanus on you. Something will stir inside of you. This is so counterintuitive, but this is the emes. This is what the Pasuk is telling us. That's how we can achieve this level today. We get a taste, a glimpse of this level. Mashiach will all be on this level, but the deep, soul-stirring, satisfying experience that comes from the deepest depth of our being, which can happen suddenly and can happen quickly and can happen if Hashem helps us. Because this is, it's not, there's no human fingerprints on this. This, is, this begins when, by removing your ego and getting out of the way. And, and it's a very difficult process. A, it's difficult to remove our ego. It's difficult to listen, to actively listen. It's difficult to, re- to receive. And the soul has to stir on its own in the deepest level, in the deepest depth of your being. We don't control this process. So as much as you try and as much as you prepare, there's no guarantee you'll be successful. It can be very frustrating. You're trying, you're trying, and you feel empty. You walk away empty. There's no soul stirring. Nothing stirs inside. Nothing shifts inside. Nothing changes inside. Nothing happens. The man that he says about prophecy, that in order to receive prophecy, there has to be some prerequisite. There has to be some conditions. You have to be learned, and you have to have sterling character, and you have to control your appetites and your urges and your instincts. And you have to prepare yourself, and you have to play music, and you have to put yourself in a, in a receptive mode. But then there's no guarantee. <laughs> Either Hashem wants you to have prophecy. <laughs> if Hashem wants you to have prophecy, you can have prophecy, and you can do all of the above, and nothing will happen. It's by the grace of Hashem. So in a way, this level of Eisan is almost by the grace of Hashem. That's why Mashiach, Hashem brings Mashiach. The Rebbe would always say, Mifsa Mashiach is Hashem's campaign. We can do and try and do whatever we're doing, but at the end of the day, there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a moment when Hashem will stir, Hashem will wake us up, and Hashem is... It's a moment of grace. You can't force it, and you can't control it, and you can't... So you can prepare and you can do whatever you want, trying to trigger the moment and trying to, to make it conducive. But at the end of the day, sometimes we're successful, sometimes uh, nothing happens. There's no response. That inner, that depth of our being, that communication from the depth of our being and that soul-stirring experience, sometimes something stirs and something nothing happens. We come up blank. <laughs> So what, how do you guarantee? What, what's going to trigger it? Al-Tarebbe says, give. Give generously. Give, give, and give, and give more than 10%. He says, if you realize, that's what we're gonna, he's going to finish now. If you realize that your life depends on it. Because for a Jew, life is not just physical life. For a Jew, life is first and foremost primarily spiritual life. Godly life. When you're alive, internal. When you're alive, when, when you're living with the deepest depth of your being and, and with a soul-stirring experience that comes from your subconscious and that it's fully engaging and it's all-encompassing and that that feels so rich and so genuine <coughs> and so real, but then you come alive. So if you don't have that level of life, I'm dead. I'm like the walking dead. 
Most people are. Yes, physically they look alive, but, but don't be fooled. <laughs> it's not alive. If I'm connected with Hashem, if I really feel that faith, if I really live that faith, then I'm alive. But if not, I don't feel alive. So what won't a person do for life? If your life is on the line, you'll do anything. There's no limits. Well, I'm sorry, doctor, I can only spend 10% of my earnings. It says clearly I can't spend more than 10%, so I think I'm going to have to die because I already passed my limit. Are you kidding me? I'll bankrupt myself. I'll, not 100%, 200%. There's nothing I won't do to, cap, to, to live. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, there's absolutely no limit. My life is on the line. That's more important than money. Money is just a means to an end. The end is I should live. So if you really feel that your life depends on it, your spiritual life, and for a Jew it's not just the spiritual life, our physical life also depends on our spiritual life. Now the Rebbe once gave a brach, one of his chassidim, you can see a lepler, he gave him a brach that you should live a long life. What would be our response? Could you imagine you getting a bracha from the Alter Rebbe to live a long, healthy life? You would grab it with both hands. <laughs> Say, thank you, Rebbe, and run. Rabbi Kassir Lepler said, Rebbe, not so fast. I'm going to accept your bracha on one condition. <laughs> he's making conditions. <laughs> but can you imagine he's making conditions? Rebbe is giving you a bracha. He said, Rebbe, one condition. That it shouldn't be, God forbid, a naim lehem yiru is naim lehem yazinu. King David describes idolatry, that they have eyes. They're idols. They're clay and stone. They have, they have eyes and can see and they have ears and don't hear. So too, he says, if I live a type of life where I have eyes but I don't see godliness. I have ears but I don't hear godliness. I don't hear the music. I don't hear godliness. That's not a life. That type of life I'm not interested in. Just to extend my existence, I continue to live another day, so I'm just extending my ego, extending my existence. Rebbe, that's not a life. So it's not like he's rejecting the gift. What he's telling the Rebbe is, this is not a life. For a Jew, that physical life is not a life. What's considered life for a Jew when it's connected with Hashem, when it's a godly life, when it's a genuine life, when it's a wholesome life, then, not only am I spiritually alive, then I'm physically alive. That's the type of life. That's why Jews say l'chayim. Because you want to live a meaningful life, a purposeful life, a life that's connected, not just to extend my existence another minute, another day, just to, that's just ego. I continue to exist. That doesn't interest me. That's not life. The wicked, even when they're alive, they're dead. I want true life. True life means when it's connected to the source of life, when it's about godliness, a godly purpose, when my faith is so alive for me that I feel my faith in every fiber of my being, every bone in my body. It's so real to me. That's life. That's when he told the Rebbe, I'm not being ungrateful <laughs> and rejecting this incredible blessing which nobody gets. It's like one, one in a million who gets such a blessing from, from, from the Rebbe. You should live long. But he says, this only if it's a real life, if I'm truly alive. So if you really feel that way, that I'm only truly alive when I have that godly connection, and you know and appreciate that tzedakah is what triggers it, you want something to stir deep down inside of you, 
You want something to come from the inner depth of your being. And that should bubble to the surface and turn into a roaring river. It all depends on tzedakah. Please, I'm going to call the rabbi. Come, can I give you a check? Can I write? Please, let me give whatever it takes to awaken, to trigger that soul-stirring experience deep down inside of me. Here and now, today. So if you truly felt that way, there's no limit. That's why Dr. Rebbe is turning to his community, which is a poor community. And they were already squeezed already. How much could you squeeze a lemon? There was nothing to give in the first place. They were so impoverished. And Dr. Rebbe is pushing and pushing and pushing. Give and give more and give again and again. And here specifically he was collecting for those Jews who came to Lebavit, who came to the to Leogene, who came to the Alter Rebbe to come alive. They came to the Rebbe to learn Hasidus, to connect with Hashem. To hear the words of a living Hashem, it's as if their life depended on it. The words of Hasidus, their life depends on it. So the Alter Rebbe is appealing to his Hasidim to help him support his Hasidim while they came to the Rebbe, while the Rebbe hosted them. They should be able to feed them and be able to take care of them physically. So it was huge sums of money. He needed tremendous sums of money. You know, the city of Lyajna couldn't support it by themselves. So the Alter Rebbe is appealing to his Hasidim to be generous and to give. And if you realize what your tzedakah will accomplish and how it will help you, he's not talking here about a physical reward. You give, you give Hashem. That's, that's, here he's talking about something much, much deeper. He's talking to Hasidim. He said, the, the wealth that you're going to get and the life that you're going to get, we're talking about the deepest level of life. And you can achieve that by giving tzedakah? There's no question. All the money that was needed will be collected. And people will give. They give generously and abundantly. And the budget will be met without any deficits if you realize the power of tzedakah. It's a very powerful letter. Just amazing how every year the Alter Rebbe was able to shed new light on tzedakah. <laughs> we already learned almost, you know, how many letters did we learn in the holy letters about tzedakah. Each letter, a unique angle, a unique appreciation with the power of tzedakah. And now we just learned a new, a whole new appreciation of the power of tzedakah, which is totally counterintuitive. We never in a million years suspect that by my physical act of tzedakah, this helps stir the deepest levels of my being, the deepest levels of the neshama, make my faith come alive. Uh, what's the connection? But this is what the Pasuk says. Tzedakah can nachal Tzedakah will turn the Eisen, the level of Eisen of the neshama, which will only truly be revealed in the future, Eisen. And this will turn that level today into a roaring river, can nachal. It will come alive for you. Something will stir inside of you and will completely shift and transform your whole consciousness, your whole being, and make your whole Yiddishkeit come alive and your godly experience come alive. This is the power and the force of tzedakah. Tzedakah doesn't only have to be in a physical form. Tzedakah could also be to help another Jew. And that's really what the Rebbe did in our generation. The Rebbe made everyone, in a sense, into a shliach, that every Jew in the world shouldn't just live for themselves, but every Jew in the world should take responsibility for at least one other Jew. My neighbor, my friend. How can I inspire one fellow Jew to bring them to Yiddishkeit, to bring them to Hashem, which is the ultimate act of tzedakah. If a person 
is in physical need and you save his life and you feed him and you clothe him and you help him, how much more so when a person has a spiritual need? Just like the body is hungry and has needs, the neshama is also hungry. The neshama also has needs. The neshama also has to be fed and to be nourished and to be nurtured. And it needs garments and clothes. It needs Torah. It needs mitzvahs. If you meet a Jew who is lacking and is starving to death, that when you're physically hungry, you know that you're hungry. When you're physically thirsty, you know that you're thirsty. When you're physically in the streets and have no home and no shelter and no clothes, you're shivering, you need protection. You know that you need help. When it comes to spirituality, a person could be in such dire straits that you don't even know that you're thirsty. (laughs) You don't even know that you're hungry. You don't even know that you're starving to death. You're so disconnected that you don't even realize what you're lacking and that you're lacking. You're not even crying for help. Not only aren't you crying for help, but someone comes to you and suggests you like to put on tefillin, you reject them. Like, what do you want from my life? I'm content, I'm satisfied, I'm happy. When a person is so ill that they don't even know they're ill, they think that they're healthy and meanwhile they're dying inside. That's the biggest Rahman. Anything that you can do to help that person. So the person who says, I don't need any help and I'm wonderful and I'm okay. And I'm very happy with myself. Or a person who doesn't even know what they're hungry for. People may be restless and they are seeking and searching, but they have no clue what they're truly seeking and searching. You have jubus, you have people running, running into all these foreign pastures. So they're hungry. The neshamas are hungry. They're thirsty. They're starving to death. They're looking for some real, genuine nourishment. But they have no idea what they're even looking for, what they're even lacking. And if you can help them, that's the ultimate act of tzedakah. If you have the ultimate act of compassion, because that's exactly what they're looking for. It's exactly what they need. They need it so badly that they they don't even realize. That means the lack is so dire, so urgent. Deep down inside, the neshamas are screaming. The neshamas are crying. That's why psychiatrists will tell you that Jews are the most uh, angriest patients in America, in the world. The Jews practically invented psychology. Most psychologists are Jews. Most of their patients. Because the neshama is screaming inside. The neshama is thirsty. The neshama is hungry. For many Jews, they've been cut off for three generations. Never had a single positive and meaningful Jewish experience due to no fault of their own. So if you can do the ultimate act of tzedakah and help a yid connect with Hashem, give him that nourishment, studying a little Torah, doing a mitzvah, that's the ultimate act of tzedakah. So the focus that the Rebbe made, the focus, by focusing on another Jew, helping another Jew, shlichut, don't just live for yourself, but your mission is to reach another Jew and connect another Jew, this will jumpstart your own spiritual awakening. This is the best way. This will help you reach the deepest levels of your own neshama. It's not like I'm sacrificing 
I'm neglecting my neshama. I'm too busy. I'm an activist. I'm too busy worrying about the whole world, taking care of the whole world. I have no time for my own spiritual self-development, for my own advancement, my own Yiddishkeit. I'm busy helping the whole world. Contrary. By doing this act of compassion, this act of tzedakah, you're helping yourself activate and to stir up the deepest levels of your nasham, the deepest levels of your faith will come alive for you. And this, will all, this is all triggered by your simple physical act of tzedakah, helping a Jew in need, being there for them. Whether it's a physical tzedakah, how much more so a spiritual tzedakah. Being there for them, helping a yid connect with Hashem, bringing them home, reconnecting them to the Father in Heaven, bringing them back to the palace, reuniting them with the Father in Heaven, taking them out of the spiritual concentration camp and bringing them back to the palace, restoring their health, restoring them to their, who they truly are. You can help that Jew in that journey the ultimate act of compassion, the ultimate act of tzedakah. And this Hashem will help you, this will trigger within you that you'll be able to access the deepest levels of your neshama. Tzedakah, this act of tzedakah will nachal eisan, will take the eisan, the spark of Mashiach inside of you, the spark of godliness inside of you that's buried and deep down, and it will turn into a roaring river will emerge, bubble to the surface, emerge and stir up to your conscious level. So it's a virtuous cycle. I help others and it just comes right back and it helps me in the deepest way. So it's not two tracks, helping others or focusing on my own spiritual spirituality. And I'm sorry, I, I don't have time for you because I have to take care of myself. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's, it's, it's seamless. It's one track. The only way to truly achieve and accomplish the deepest, the highest level of accomplishment you could accomplish in your own spiritual growth and advancement is only through tzedakah. Taking the time and helping another Jew and focusing on another Jew and noticing another Jew and being there for another Jew and taking your precious time and, and caring and being involved and concerned and helping another Jew. This act of tzedakah is an act of compassion will jumpstart and help you achieve the highest, deepest, most satisfying level of spirituality and godliness. So this whole approach is so counterintuitive. Because spirituality could be, the, could be the ultimate ego trip, could be very selfish. I'm selfishly focusing on myself. I don't have time for anyone else. I'm busy serving Hashem. I'm busy davening and I'm busy learning and I don't have time. There's so much to learn. There's so much I don't know and there's so much I have to accomplish and there's so much I have to grow. I don't have time. I don't have the energy to help another person. The Pasuk says no. Amis, the prophet Amis says no. This is a prophecy that's recorded for all future generations, especially today. What's the easiest path, the best path, the best way for you to achieve your ultimate spiritual accomplishment? Tzedakah. This is where our generation shines. This is where our generation sparkles. There's never before in Jewish history has there been so much tzedakah as given today. 
And that's physically and also spiritually. This is what the Rebbe inspired all the Shluchim. Tzedakah. Help another Jew. Don't just live for yourself. Have compassion. Be there for another Jew. Be present. Help them whatever way you can, physically, materially, and how much more so spiritually, Jewishly. And this will jumpstart, this will lead you to the deepest levels, most satisfying accomplishment, and deepest levels of accomplishment, your own spiritual growth. So the Rebbe's path is a continuation of this is the, this is the path of the Alter Rebbe, is what Alter Rebbe is talking about. It's not a new path. For the last six generations, the focus was on inward, an inward focus, on your own, on your spiritual development, on prayer. And now is a new path. Now we don't have time for prayer, we don't have time for meditation, we don't have time for learning Hasidus, God forbid. Now we're activists. All that matters is the action, the deed. We focus on the other Jew, and I neglect my own spiritual growth and advancement and learning and davening. Nothing could be further than the truth. God hasn't changed. <laughs> the Torah hasn't changed, and God hasn't changed, and the Jew hasn't changed. Asad. Asad means it's hard, and it's uh, strong, and it's old. It never changes. Truth never changes. And this is a very profound truth. You know, all truths, the sign of truth is that it's paradoxical. This is the ultimate paradox of the Jew. On one hand, we're very conservative if you will, we're ultra-conservative. We never change. We're the unchanging Jew. We're the same Jew that stood at Sinai. We're the same Jew that stood at the Exodus. We're the same Jew that stood at the sea. We're the same Jew that stood at the, at the, in the temple. We stood at the feet of Isaiah. We're the same Jew. Nothing changed by Ezra. The core, the essence, the Jew hasn't changed. One iota. If you have any doubt, just look at the anti-Semite. The Jew today evokes the same response we evoked 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000, 3,800 years ago. Nothing changed. The Jew hasn't changed one iota. The Torah hasn't changed one iota, down to the last letter. You go to any community in the world, communities have been separated for 2,000 years. The same exact Torah transmitted from, from father to son down to the last letter. The same Shabbat candle, the sorrow lit we're lighting, the same tefillin that Moshe put on, we're wearing. Nothing changed. The same matzah, 630 mitzvah hasn't changed one iota. On the other hand, there's no one in the world more progressive and liberal than the Jew. Because life is dynamic, truth is dynamic. And life is constantly changing, evolving. But for the rest of the world, it, either you're conservative, ultra-conservative, or you're liberal, or progressive, or ultra-liberal. And as we see in today's election, it's like, it's like two different universes that clash. Only the Jew could be ultra-conservative and at the same time be ultra-liberal, dynamic, current, relevant, and at the same time, unchanging, unbending, unyielding. Asan, which means strong, vigorous, and ancient, unchanging, unyielding, uncompromising, a one iota. And at the same time, it's a roaring river. It's alive. 
bustling, it's bursting with life, it's changing, it's dynamic, it's every moment, every day, it's a unique energy, special energy, creative, fresh, not same old, same old, but to combine the two, that the same Torah, this ancient Torah, should be so fresh and current, this is unique. Just to be new, throw out the old and be new, that, that's not creativity. <laughs> that's what we call modern art, ungepatriot. That's, that's not, just to be new for the sake of new and throw out all the old values, that that's, doesn't take any great genius. That's the challenges to look at something that you've been looking at already a hundred times, a thousand times, and to see it with fresh eyes, to see it in a whole brand new way, in a fresh way, fresh perspective. That's combining the, the liberal, ultra-liberal, with the conservative, ultra-conservative. We're taking that ancient truth, that ancient faith, that's unyielding and uncompromising and unchanging and unbudgeable and unmovable, and take that and see it in a totally fresh perspective. It's so dynamic, it's so vibrant, it's so alive, it's so current, it's so real. This is a unique combination. This is Asan. This is taking the level, the deepest level of Chachman, combining it with Bina, turning it into a roaring river, Combining words with the level as beyond words, faith with intellect. This is, this is a paradox. This is almost the impossible. This is squaring the circle. This is the essence of the Jew. This is what the Jew is all about. So it's the same Yiddishkeit. But it's dynamic. It's vibrant. It's real. It's relevant. It's current. What am I doing today to help a person in need today? To have Rachmanas on another person. Hashem will have Rachmanas. And this faith will come alive in, in the deepest way. All know the verse, skin for skin, a purse will protect one limb at the expense of another. But all that man possesses, he will give for himself. He will give away everything in order to save his life. The Alter Rebbe says a word to the quoted verse so that it ends. For his godly soul, one should be willing to forgo everything for the sake of his godly soul. In order to eliminate it with the, with the light of life, the infinite one blessed thee. Just like a person will give, spend every, anything for his physical life, sustain his physical life, how much more so a person should give anything in order to sustain his spiritual life and his godly life. And the best way to do that is by tzedakah. So if you knew that giving tzedakah could power up your spiritual life, your godly life, and make it robust and healthy and vibrant and give you long life, is there, there's no limit to how much money you would spend. Dr. Rebbe is telling us chassidim, although at the end of the letter, even though you already spend and I already took as much as I can, well, why limit? Why stop? Give more. Because this, this will trigger, if you realize the power, what tzedakah does for you, are you kidding? There's, there's no limit. And it's just as urgent. It's just as, just as you feel the urgency of your life is on the line, physical life is on the line. 
You should feel the urgency knowing that your godly life is on the line, the spiritual life is on the line. That you can access and you can achieve the level of Asa and turn it into a roaring river and you can experience that soul-stirring in the deepest depth of your nesham, of your being, all through your tzedakah. And if you don't give tzedakah, you're missing out on that life. So you feel that sense of urgency, that sense of desperation. I need to be healthy. I need to be alive as a Jew. My Yiddishkeit has to be fully alive and vibrant. And, and it's up to me. With my physical act of compassion. By writing the check and giving the tzedakah. It's a powerful essay. It's essay number seven. All seventh are beloved. Please God, next week we're going to start uh, essay number eight. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.